Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Michael Bratton of That SEC Podcast. And as always, Michael, appreciate you joining us this afternoon, man. How's your summer treating you? All going well, John. Doing a, a deep dive currently on, like you said, getting ready for the season. So uh, this is my favorite time of year. I, I can't be more excited than I am right now. So why is that? <laughs> like, no, most people would say college football, the excitement is not in late June, early July. So why is it exciting for you? Well, because right now I'm a big believer, John, in, in selling optimism. And everybody's undefeated and everybody's headed to Atlanta, going to win the SEC championship. So, uh, you know, if I say anything negative at all about a football team, I hear it from all 14 SEC fan bases. So, uh, yeah, I, I just love the optimism this time of year. So which team should be most optimistic right now in the SEC? Well, <laughs> I mean, it's boring, but, uh, of course, you got to point the finger at uh, Alabama and Georgia. I mean, they're, they're going to be, you know, I don't, I don't think they're quite as, as good as they're being hyped up right now. I mean, you're already starting to see people say Alabama's just going to wreck their entire schedule. I, I'm not buying that. I'm already on record thinking Georgia could lose early in the season to South Carolina. Uh, but those, you know, by the end of the season, they'll probably be on top of the SEC Mountain just with all the talent those programs have amassed. But if you want to go a step further, I mean, right there, the Arkansas Razorbacks, we hit on it on our show. I mean, we're thinking 10-2, and 11-1, and one, optimistic-type record here for the Razorbacks this fall. Okay, so when you I'm glad you threw optimistic in there because if you're talking about reality, I think even Razorback fans would probably crap their pants hearing you say that. But the fact that you say it's optimistic, here's the thing though: it's like I hear that, we hear that, we think it's crazy. But I think that if just everything went according to plan, the ball bounced their way in every game. I think it's possible that they could get to that double-digit win. But what is it about this team that makes you feel like optimistically? they could do something like that and pull off the unthinkable and get to a 10-win regular season? Uh, a lot of it has to do with the continuity, John, with uh, all three coordinators returning. I think they've got the best coaching staff in the SEC. It's got to start right there. K.J. Jefferson, by now everybody knows how great he is, but uh, I was on a, on a mountain by myself screaming how good he is. I think he'll take a next step. I mean, Kendall Brown does not have the same quarterback since uh, – for two years consecutive since a man named RG3, and he had to win the Heisman Trophy that year. So I think KJ takes that next step. We already had the FCC's number one rushing attack. We're bringing back four or five on the offensive line, three outstanding running backs, four if you want to include KJ Jefferson into that mix, which I think you kind of have to at this point. And, and just the talking point with Arkansas, people that don't follow the program, that just, you know, they just look at the schedule and say, oh my God, I mean, it's too difficult. They got they got face LSU, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. I mean, these are teams they're beating every year. So uh, I, I'm only seeing two teams that I think will be underdogs uh, for the Razorbacks, and and I even question that because everybody's so high on A and M. I think Arkansas is a better football team than than A and M right now. Mike, when do you do your next power rankings for the SEC? The last one. You did was uh, post-spring, so do you wait until football season starts, or do you release one prior to the season? Yeah, I'll probably just uh, wait until uh, after the first weekend of the season to for all the outrage. It's, 
It's nothing but uh, outrage from about 10 fan bases every Saturday night when I put that up. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> the next big poll I'll be putting out will be my media days ballot when we head down to uh, to Atlanta this year. So uh, be on the lookout for that. I'm still, I'm still, you know, coming through, and, and I haven't finalized my ballot at this point in time because, I mean, we're talking three through maybe 12 in the SEC. You can almost talk me into any team. Uh, it's so fluid, I think, after Alabama and Georgia. So you mentioned that you think there's a possibility of Georgia getting upset early in the season, and you mentioned South Carolina specifically. What is it about South Carolina that uh, has them on the way up? Well, I just love uh, all the off-season transfers they've added, including Spencer Rattler. I think he's a, he's an elite-type quarterback. Now, I, I'm not buying the – you know, you're seeing some talk of him winning the Heisman or something, but that's crazy. I mean, that's going a step too far. But when you're talking about a program that uh, managed to make it to a bowl game, win seven games, and they started, they literally started a coach at quarterback last <laughs> season. That's how dreadful it was there in Columbia. They've added some weapons at receiver. They really needed to do that. They've added a really good running back. Uh, you know, there are certainly questions with the game talk, particularly on the line of scrimmage. I don't think. Yeah, so unfortunately for Arkansas, they're getting South Carolina early. I think South Carolina is a team you want to get later in the season when the SEC schedule is kind of beating them down a little bit. But uh, I anticipate South Carolina is going to be a very, very difficult out for uh, the Razorbacks. Thankfully, that game is in Razorback Stadium. Speaking with Michael Bratton of that SEC podcast here on the Jones and Son Diamond and Bridal Fine Jewelry Outline. Now, now, Mike, uh, you know, one of the things that – uh, a lot of people keep bringing up, and I know you did too, is a continuity with the Razorbacks and kind of just looking at some other teams too. I ask this every time because I try to think about you know what's wide open. And when it's Bama and Georgia all the time, it's hard to ever think that it's wide open. But compared to, say, the past five years, how do you look at the SEC as far as the parity goes? Is there as much parity now as there has been? Is there less of it? Like what's kind of the situation when it comes to uh, the high-level teams that actually have legitimate chances of competing and winning the conference? Yeah, that's interesting because we do see the same teams in the playoff, no doubt. I mean, it's it's kind of ridiculous if uh, if you're on the outside looking in of, of the playoff field. But, uh, you know, I think we've seen some things when we talk about NIL, when we talk about super seniors. I wish they would make the super seniors more of a permanent thing because I think that aided Arkansas, that aided Ole Miss. Uh, but if you just want to look at the transfer portal, I mean, that, that significantly helps Kentucky in Tennessee, uh, all across the SEC. It's not just the, the teams at the very top that are just picking apart the country like people assume. I think it's the rest of the SEC that is kind of cherry-picking players from outside the conference that want to come to the nation's best football conference, and it has resulted in a lot of quick turnarounds. And, and we'll probably see the same thing at LSU and Florida. I mean, these are not going to be three-, four-year rebuilds. They, these fans demand within a season or two that LSU and, and Florida are going to be challenging for their division title. So uh, I think in a sense, again, the playoff field, it, it's not parity there, but when you talk about the rest of the SEC, I'm seeing more and more parity. And I think a lot of that has to do with NIL. A lot of that has to do with the transfer portal. And you look at players that may not have, you know, first or second round NFL draft grades. There's reason to come back to a school like Arkansas because the NIL, we've seen a number of players, they get taken care of 
and uh, you know it, it helps the team at the end of the day. Now, this is something that doesn't apply to Arkansas, but which teams do you think are in the best position in the SEC with new starting quarterbacks? Even if we're talking about teams like Florida, for example, where Anthony Richardson, he has started some games, but he hasn't been the full-time starter. But w- which teams do you see best position with new starting quarterbacks? Um, yeah, that's an interesting one. I, I guess you'd have to say Texas A&M, but again, I, I just don't have a ton of faith in Jimbo uh, these days to develop a guy. Now, I do like Max Johnson, who was at LSU, but uh, even there, he was not outstanding. I kind of put that more on just you know, the coaching turnover and, and players opting out. I mean, it, it was a travesty in Baton Rouge the last couple of years, but can, can Jimbo get someone, whether it's Haynes King, Max Johnson, for the freshman, Connor Wigman, I think they have a good team around those players. But we're starting to look at Jamison Winston. Well, that was a long time ago, Joe. I mean, that was 2014, and it seems like Jimbo is, is still, um, you know, that's his claim to fame as uh, developing a quarterback, uh, and we're going on nearly a decade. So I don't have a ton of confidence that uh, A&M is going to have some star quarterback. You hit on Anthony Richardson. I think that may be the key to, to Florida having a really good year in breaking out. And I go back to, if you want to talk new quarterbacks, Spencer Rattler at South Carolina. I think he's really going to elevate the Gamecocks. Should be interesting to see how that all goes down. And I know another thing that was going on with college football that I want your take on, something we had some fun with too, was this whole thing with Jaden Rashada and the the NIL stuff, which we know is always a, con- a topic of conversation. But he, signed, or he commits to Miami from what was it, you know, nine and a half million or whatever. People say he took a pay cut or did not accept as much money to go to Florida, but they also said Ole Miss was involved in offering some money, which is just crazy because it's like it's a four-star quarterback, but, man, it's so all of his offers started becoming public. What did you make of this story, and do you believe and buy a lot of the stuff going on where these teams were putting up that much money for this quarterback? Yeah, it's interesting, John. I believe, I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure that uh... – this attorney that put out all this information is the same guy that uh, helped Tennessee land a guy, allegedly. So, uh, you know, this is not new to college football, but I don't know. I'm trying to figure out who it benefits to get this information out there. I don't think it benefits the player. I don't think it benefits the team. I think the only one that benefits is the lawyer. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know if lawyers are to be, we can take them for their word, uh, just given what I know, but uh, yeah, it is fascinating because this this is a kid, Jaden Rashada. You talked about long time lean to Florida. Yet he pushes his commitment, and then a week later he's he's at Miami. So you got to believe that uh, you know there was something behind the scenes. But I just don't know if I'm buying the figures based on what I've heard. I don't think uh, Florida in their collective has anywhere close to the money that uh, he allegedly was offered to go to Gainesville. So. Again, I, I just don't know who that benefits to put that out there other than the lawyer. Is that something that you would like to see changed as far as the info that gets out, out there or how they go about it and getting players to certain schools, or or you think it's fine the way it is? Well, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I don't believe that lawyer you know, has got anything to do with the NCAA or college athletics. So uh, I don't know how you can – I mean, all he apparently what he did was just ran to a media – and they threw it out there, and we all went crazy for about three hours on Twitter. At least I did. So uh, I just don't know how you corral something like that. I think you just gotta you gotta double and triple check your sources if you're gonna throw out something like that. Because at the end of the day, 
uh, all we're talking about is this guy allegedly taking all this money to go to Miami when it should be more about, you know, his moment, picking his college of choice. He, he could have went to A&M. He could have went to LSU. He could have went to Ole Miss, Florida. He had a, his pick of, of many, many schools, yet all we're talking about is his money. So it kind of ruins his moment, too. I just don't know uh, what, what we can really do about it, Joe. Well, another thing, too, that I wanted to dive in as far as a topic, is, and again, another thing that we discussed was uh, about ACC and, and doing away with divisions, which when I say doing away with divisions, they're still kind of forming the pod system, even though they're not officially calling it a pod or don't have titles or anything, but it's doing like the three, five, and five system. And I have been an advocate where I think divisions in college football, especially in the SEC, need to go away. I understand that there's pot, there's probably going to be maybe a similar system here with more teams and all that. But what are your thoughts on divisions and should – all college football, especially major college football, move to not having divisions where each and every year they just take the two best teams in the conference to play for the title. Yeah, I mean, I'm the biggest SEC homer there is, John, yet I hate these divisions at this point. I mean, that that's my only gripe with the SEC is the scheduling. We know how messed up it is. I mean, Arkansas and Tennessee, they should be playing a lot more often. Uh, Arkansas with Florida, you know, on and on and on. These games need to be happening. So, yeah, we got to get rid of the division. The NCAA doesn't do much right, but let's give them credit. They recently uh, made it to where you can still hold a conference championship game without having divisions, which cleared the ACC to go to this format. The SEC is going to this format, hopefully sooner rather than later. And what that's going to do, John, is it's going to help a, a program like Arkansas and the Mississippi schools where, you know, every year maybe you, you miss Alabama and LSU and A&M and you slide in Missouri, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt, it's just going to make the entire league more competitive. And, and not that any of these SEC programs have issues recruiting, but I think it opens the door a lot more to, to Arkansas being able to pitch to a, a Nashville kid, to a Memphis kid, that every year, whether it's Vanderbilt or Tennessee, we're going to be in your state well, you're going to, those schools are going to come to Arkansas, so it's going to help families uh, see these prospects more that want to stick in the SEC. I don't see any negative to it. Okay, well, I think you may have just answered what I was going to ask you, Mike, is that we've talked plenty about the benefits of going no divisions in all these conferences, but is there any downside to it, like, Teams that are in favor of it and schools that are in favor of it, what what's the downside to them in uh, doing away with divisions? Is there any downside? Well, I, I think the real issue, Joe, is not necessarily getting rid of divisions, but it's, is it going to be eight games or is it going to be nine games? And, you know, there's arguments to be made uh, for, for each. Certainly, I, you know, I was leaning heavily towards nine so that we could keep a lot of these traditional rivalries going. But when we see the ACC go to eight, why does that matter? Because they're going to have one less non-conference game. It's going to help them get more teams potentially in the college football playoff. And the last thing the SEC wants to do is, is eat itself, essentially, and, and just have no playoff contenders, which with, with Texas and Oklahoma coming in the league, if we're playing nine, it's just going to make it that much more difficult. So I think that's really the reservations, not so much keeping the divisions, but just what will the format look like when we have uh, the nine games, like I said, with uh, three permanent rivals, just like uh, the ACC is doing, or will we keep it at eight? 
and, uh, and just have one permanent. So, uh, you know, that is why we've not made that decision to date. But uh, I think that's the biggest holdup right now. I need to ask you also about this because maybe this is my SEC bias coming out or maybe it's just my hatred for this particular school. But the Arch Manning to Texas thing makes sense, I guess, as far as you got a big name player with a big name school and, and all that. But just considering it's Texas and the, and the kind of the laughing stock that they've become as far as, you know, where they've been and Steve Sarkeesian, you know, is he going to be, be the coach by that point in time? Well, just what you make overall of the commitment from Arch Manning going to Texas. And do you think this is something that works out for him? Yeah, I was honestly pretty surprised by it, John. I thought he was going to go to Georgia. There was a lot of buzz with the Bulldogs. Um, and, you know, Alabama, from from what I understand, Nick Saban took personal charge of that recruitment, and he doesn't lose many recruitments, certainly not to Steve Sarkeesian. So, and also, to further your Texas bashing, I welcome it. I don't think Steve Sarkeesian, I mean, I don't even think there's a guarantee that he's a head coach by the time Arch arrives. He's that bad. Uh, so, you know, it's a head-scratching decision. But I will give him credit because it's very easy to just go to Alabama, go to Georgia, be the next guy. It seems like he's trying to kind of do what Peyton did, go to Tennessee, go to a different program, kind of make a name for himself there. So I give him credit for doing that. But it's going it's to ratchet up that pressure, no doubt, on Steve Sarkeesian and uh, the Texas program coming into the SEC. Uh, but and one other aside to that, do the Mannings know potentially that uh, Nick Saban, he may not be around much longer. Maybe that's why he decided not to go to Alabama because they don't have faith that Nick Saban is going to be there for Arch's entire college career. I think that's an underrated aspect of this uh, decision. It's already having an effect with Texas where you see Arch Manning committing to them and then you have other highly ranked players starting to commit to Texas. Yeah, and I love the fact Kiffin's out here uh, suggesting that it's all NIL-related, he, he seems pretty upset. So, uh, I mean, it's hilarious, but it, it is what it is. But, yeah, this is kind of what I think a lot of the prospects in the country were waiting for. Where did the top quarterbacks go? That's where the best players, they want to play with the best players. Arch Manning, number one quarterback, number one overall prospect in the country. So I'm sure he, as soon as he made his decision, he's getting these guys on the phone saying, let's go to Austin, let's do something. Uh, let's get the hype train going once again for Texas. Texas is officially back until they're not when they go, you know, <laughs> six and six next year like they always do. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing: if they, if they can't win big with Arch Manning and a bunch of great recruits coming in, I I just don't know if they're ever going to get it done. Because that's, I mean, what else can you need? But hey, it is Texas, it is college football, and that is a long way away. We think it's coming up quickly, but a lot of things can change in the game. There's no doubt about it. But it'll be good to see him coming and playing into the SEC at least once he gets on campus. But, Michael, as always, man, we appreciate you joining us. Great stuff, great college football talk, and have a great summer, man. I know we'll be catching up with you later down the road. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys.